Hi, this is the Village Counseling Podcast. My name is Hillary Evans, and I'm a clinical counselor. And with me today is... Dr. Josh Cruz, registered psychologist and pastor of counseling at Village Church. So the purpose of this podcast is to help foster a greater understanding of the topics we discuss and give a few takeaways that will be helpful for your life. So today we're talking about habits in your brain. Part of how God made our brain, and I love this, this shows how how much he, like one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy, like he values joy. Uh, John Piper talks about this, um, where God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him, where this earth, he has given us, he has given us beauty. He has given us like sensory receptors on our body. And that can be for sex. That can be for just food consumption too. Like we've got a palate. We could just either not need food or just ingest like bark and that's just functional. We just do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like a cow. Like, But thankfully, we do have food. Uh, we get to enjoy things. And even Jesus, uh, as he was walking the earth, uh, he enjoyed that then with people and and meals. That, like it's such a beautiful thing. It helps build community. And part of that is sharing in we – I mean there are different restaurants we go to because I want to try this here or this there. Uh, there's, there's diversity. It's fun. There's excitement with it and even the anticipation of it too. And if we go a little bit deeper into our brains, we have a neurochemical called dopamine. And it's something that's then released even in the anticipation of something and then definitely in the experience of it, especially if it's something pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll hear about this uh, around, let's say, drug use to where somebody who is addicted to drugs, they will have a dopamine release even in the anticipation or the acquisition of that drug. They're thinking about it. All of a sudden, a little bit of dopamine is then released. They're getting closer to it. And then they, when they're using it, there's a flood of dopamine, which then can reinforce that, that behavior, that action then happening again. And that shows up for, for all of us to different activities that bring joy. Sometimes even music. There can I can't wait to go to the, uh, this concert. Um, I, I can't wait to um, then sit down and and just nostalgically listen to this piece because it connects with pathways that have been wired within our brain and reinforcing that. And this can be an incredible thing that when we have great habits that we end up doing in succession, doing over and over again. Dopamine's released because I can't wait to do that again. But it can also happen for unhealthy things too. And there may be a pleasure component, but it's unhealthy, something that we then struggle with. Uh, Whether that is, it can be drugs, it can be pornography, it can be drinking, unhealthy eating, whatever it is. But there's a dopamine release that starts reinforcing it and makes it actually easier to walk down that path, to do that thing that we shouldn't. It's that extra... Uh, you know what? I could go for another bag of chips right now mm-hmm. or a bag of chips, but I'm trying not to. Um, uh, I'm trying to eat healthy, and but that's enjoyable. Even just thinking about it, I can almost taste it right now. Um, dopamine's released and makes it that much harder to then resist and step away from something that's unhealthy. As a lot of the things that we talk about, there's always a spectrum. And so, you know, enjoying food, that's not wrong. You know, having a bag of chips and enjoying every single one in there, you know, that's not wrong. It's more so when we're talking about things that are unhealthy habits in the long term. And I think, you know, even those two words um, of joy and pleasure, you know, I think are so different, right? There are sometimes these things that give us joy, 
like going to see our favorite band or that kind of thing that bring us like not only pleasure, but also joy. But then there's sometimes things that bring us um, and maybe that part of our brain pleasure, but maybe, you know, they're really hard for us and maybe we're not feeling joy about them at all. And oftentimes you'll hear people who are addicted to different things talking about like, I don't want to do that again. Like, you know, I don't like myself when I do that again. And yet the brain is still experiencing that dopamine release. And so it's not always a cut and dry, like, oh, you feel joy, so you want to do it again. Sometimes it's, you know, our brain gets wired that, hey, that felt good in the brain when when you did that or when this activity happened. And so do it again when we might be feeling something different on a different level. And, and so one of the ways that we can actually work with our brain is starts with understanding. How does our brain work? Uh, they say that neurons that fire together, wire together. And so there are these pathways that can be created in our brain that get reinforced. And this is what works with habits. And so if I'm then, let's say, exercising and I enjoy that, uh, I started to forge a new pathway. Let's say I've never exercised before. It's almost like I'm walking through a wheat field and just everything's thwacking me. It's harder to do it the first time. And then I do it again. And then I'm walking through that same path. And then I do it again, that same path over and over again. And all of a sudden, a clearing starts to happen. And then a bit of a dirt path, like I can actually see where I'm going. It keeps getting reinforced and it becomes easier to step down that. Mm -hmm. Habits then forming, healthy and unhealthy. What can happen over time is it almost becomes this like super highway where it is so grooved in that it almost becomes a default. Healthy habit, that's awesome. It just becomes, I mean, I think of spiritual disciplines, like I, uh, for reading the Bible. That's something that I've had to work on. For a long time, I was doing it because I didn't want to feel guilty for not doing it. And so I was th- thwacking through that, that wheat field. And then the more I do it, it becomes more of a, a discipline. And it's part of my rhythm or my schedule. And there are many times where, yeah, I get off, off rhythm. But coming back to it is easier now than it was before I had even done it the first time or I was doing it less frequently. So that can be great if there are healthy habits. But what can also happen is when we have unhealthy habits, so let's say drinking, either you're trying to not drink at all or trying not to have that that extra drink. Well, if you've reinforced that over and over again, that's that highway. That's something that's easy to to fall into, to keep keep doing. If you're trying to then uh, step away from that, have healthier habits, not give into that, then you're going to have to, and it's going to take a little more muscle, more strength, start forging that new wheat field away from that extra drink. Or if you're trying not to drink at all, then that drink. And every time you do it, you're reinforcing a new pathway there and hopefully building that new muscle away from it. But it's going to be really hard at first. Um, And this goes for, yeah, whether it's pornography, um, other things that you're struggling with. Maybe it's overspending. Like, uh, I just go through them all. Or I'm on Amazon. It's like, I need to have this. I need to. And I've Mm -hmm. done it over and over again. I I need that new pathway to then actually step in. And so let's understand what's going on in our brain and let's try to develop these off ramps, these new pathways in order to resist some of that. 
Yeah. And off-ramp is a really great way to look at it. Another way that I explain it to clients sometimes is that sometimes these habits are bridges that we use to get from a place of like anxiety or that kind of thing to calm. And so we use some of these habits as those bridges. So for example, like having a drink, for some people it might be, you know, smoking weed, maybe it's using pornography or some kind of other behavior to get from anxiety to calm. And if we're just going to try and take that bridge out, we're going to be left feeling pretty stranded. Like how on earth do I get from anxious to calm then if I'm used to using this one bridge? And so it's a lot of work and sometimes we need help building other bridges to get from anxiety to calm if the way that our brain has been trained to do it is to use something that helps. And I always find understanding it that way helps bring a lot of compassion too in the sense that like, of course you're struggling with that. Like no wonder it's so hard. And, you know, this is taking a lot of work to create a new habit. Yeah, and understanding what's behind it. So if we're going to put a bridge in, what's the function of it? I'm stressed. Okay, is there a way to manage stress, which will make it easier to find the off-ramp because I'm dealing with the root of it. I'm dealing with the stress part of it. And then also, as you were saying, Hillary, like we need other people in that. Like let's reach out because if we're then going down a path and we keep finding we're on the super highway um, of unhealthy habit and we're having such a hard uh, time finding that bridge, finding that off ramp, we need the support of other people, whether that's an accountability thing but done in love. Um, so it's not just people are like hammering you or or coming down on you for something. You yeah. need that compassion. It's not helpful if they're hammering you. No, you man, you need like actual supports to support something is to come alongside, to lift up, to reinforce. And inviting God into that process too. This isn't a, a grin and bear it, white knuckle it, uh, that idea. It's more of a... I'm surrendering this than saying I do want to step away from this this bad habit and I know I can't do it on my own. I need to bring others in for support and I need God's power in order to help me to resist this. And not just a confession piece like, oh, God slipped up, please forgive me in this. And there's an important part of that process. But it's more for that that power, that self-control aspect of, God, I need more of that. One of the fruits of the Spirit, self-control. I need that in this in order to find that off-ramp. Can you guide me in this? Uh, not to be cheesy, but so what, Jesus, take the wheel, <laughs> that idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, and sometimes that's like a, you know, a calm, prayerful thing of, okay, can you take this? But also sometimes I honestly picture it like driving like a, you know, mad woman down the highway, like, oh my gosh, like Jesus, take the wheel. You know, like I think sometimes that's what it is. And he's there. And that's a beautiful thing. He can actually guide us in that. We're not alone in this struggle. And we're not meant to do life on our own. We need others. We need God in and through this. And then we also need to look at our relationship with ourselves. We need to have that compassion that it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Uh, Bible says in this world, we'll have trouble. And so recognizing that. And so if... When you then slip up, how are you talking to yourself? Can you be a good coach to yourself instead of a harsh critic who's then coming down and what's wrong with you and I can't believe you this? Um, and that just takes you further down and makes it that much harder to get up. Recognize what happened. Take a step back to reflect on it. Okay, what's going on? What's behind this? Um, try to then find that bridge, that off-ramp in there and encourage yourself. And if you need to borrow that encouragement, bring somebody else in. Like, Hey, I, I need you to lift me up here. I'm having a hard time. I'm so discouraged. And then also remember, and this is important in understanding our brain, a lot of times people will they'll tab sobriety 
Like, oh, I have so many days of this or that. And that can be good. The downside or uh, my reluctance towards that is it's not how our brain works. Like if you go to the gym for 365 days and then you skip a day, you don't start at day one in terms of the, the cardiovascular strength or the muscle buildup and development that you had over that time. You don't lose that. If you don't go for 365 days in a row, sure, atrophy will start to kick in. It's the same thing with our brains. If we're reinforcing a pathway or that off-ramp and we slip up, have that compassion for yourself. Gather that support around you and then keep going. That field didn't grow over in a day. Keep moving. There's going to be setbacks in that. Encourage yourself in order to keep then moving forward. Mm -hmm. I find, you know, even just understanding about the brain helps not only give compassion, but also encouragement in the sense that not only do we have neuropathways that have already been built through the past, we can recreate them. And our brain, there's this fancy word called neuroplasticity. And our brain is flexible. It can change. It can mold over time, which it can be a difficult thing, but it can also be the most beautiful thing ever in the sense that we can help mold it and we can help shape it through our habits. And so there is hope for you if you have a history of a lot of unhealthy habits and you're trying to you know, change those. There's absolutely hope for you. It's mm -hmm. hard, but you know, you can do it. There are ways to do it. So thanks for joining us today. As always, we would love to hear your feedback and comments. You're welcome to email us at counseling at thisisvillagechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.